When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, morning everyone and welcome along to Summer Breakfast. If you're listening on SEN 1170am right here in Sydney, it is Friday the 26th of January, Australia Day 2024, as we fill the chair for Vossi and Brandy. And for the first hour, we welcome in our listeners tuning in on SENQ 693am in Brisbane and Patton Heels will take the reins from 6am local time. I'm Julian King. Jaleesa Raps is alongside me. Good morning, J.A. What's up? Can I tell you that uh, Trent Copeland texted me late last night at the conclusion of day one at the Gabba. And said, Jules, uh, here in Brecky, I'm more than happy to drive down from Queensland, sans sleep, and and do the program because, um, you know, that Trent Copeland, basically, every time you flick on the radio, flick on the television, uh, his mug or his voice is there. What is wrong with him? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he goes to extreme lengths to be able to do this show and has got so much else going on. He's just a little workaholic. I wonder how Kimmy feels about that. Oh, well. When's daddy coming home, young Lennon saying? No, I know. I think <laughs> is he, that no, daddy? But I think that's yeah. one of his main, is he's fitting all that in as well. He, you know what he doesn't fit in? Sleep. Well, sleep when you're dead. Like he does right, everything so, else yeah. except for sleep. And he still he's looks pretty great... good. So, so Charles came in this morning to do a photo for socials and I thought, I'm feeling a bit puffy on the one time I've got to get up at four something in the morning. No one look uh, at that photo, please. No, please, if you don't mind. Hey, the West Indies fight back day one of the Gabba test. You know, this is a thing nobody thought... They're going to win a test match, oh, but it was yeah. nice to see a bit of resistance. It's awesome. They were five for, what, 64 at one yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. We thought, okay, we'll run through them. Australia might get a bat, uh, set a big total and roll through them before Cyclone Kiraly wreaks havoc potentially on the Gabba. Mm. And you're upset because you're saying, what about Cyclone? So the way the Cyclone thing works is that they have an alphabet. Yep. And so you might have Cyclone uh, Annalise. That's yep. A, and then you go to Cyclone Becky. And yeah. see, cross it off, and you go. Why won't they ever have a cyclone, Jaleesa? And I said, give it time. We looked up after Kiralee, so you've just missed the J. I know. So you need to hope that there's what twenty five more tropical cyclones before Jaleesa's a shot. Non dangerous ones. Non okay. Like somewhere where it's like you know not very populated mm. or something, but to be named after one would be um, you know, because I, I nothing's ever named after me, and I used to be a bit of an anomaly in that, like when I was a kid. I was the weird kid in multiple race, but like when you were a kid, weird, when you were a teenager, I was a weird. When you were a young adult. I was an adult. Um, no, but I was a weird like like I had the weird name. Now it's pretty common to have the weird name. You know what I mean? Like it's more it's more common to have the weird name than it is. But now I'm like I was one of the first. Okay, a Jaleesa's. <laughs> uh, were you one of those as a kid that because uh, Julian? I, I hated my name Julian at, at the time because it weren't real. I think it was one other kid in my school that had the name Julian. How and now I'm thinking school? about, well, primary school that was. And then now I think about all the cool Julians, like Julian Edelman and Julian McMahon and whoever else. Yeah, no, the Julians. No, the cool Jaleesas. I'm, I'm just lifting. Well, I'm no, sure there's other Jaleesas out there. Call in. <laughs> if your name's Jaleesa. Just looking up the screens here, Emma McKeon, uh, Australia Day Honours. It's Australia Day 2024. She's the Young Australian of the Year. Okay, Emma McKean, most successful Olympic medalist, equaling the world mark of seven medals at one Olympic Games at Tokyo and bettering the Aussie record by securing her 11th career Olympic medal at those Games. So I was thinking about this, right? 
So you know how Tony Abbott briefly when was Prime Minister sort of came in and said, I'm going to bring you back knighthoods and damehoods. And so he knighted Prince oh, Philip, which yeah. was a very strange thing to do. But if they were to do that, speaking about honours, is there one eminent Australian sports person that you would give a knighthood to, living or dead? A knighthood. A knighthood. So obviously you've got Bradman Jeez, and a few other, but you know, and then they stopped it. Alan Tung. Alan Tung, Sir Alan Tung. That's a lot of good work. <laughs> Be the first. I, I don't know how many knighthoods have been given out to eminent Australians. He could be the first redhead, though. Tungy. Alan Tung, is, I mean, Canberra legend, Canberra mm. Raiders legend. Um, I'm going to use the word legend. I know people get annoyed when you throw that around. No, but you did no, preface it by saying Canberra Raiders. It's legend. appropriate. It's pre- oh, all right. That's rude. Pro- <laughs> it's appropriate. Mm. Um, but also does great work. Does a lot of great work with um, young men. Does he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He does a lot of charity work and with domestic violence and things like and that. Good morning I just love Alan Tung. Yeah, well, for good reason. Good morning to you, Alan Tung. Hey, uh, guest today, Gavin Robinson is going to be here to discuss all the wash-up from the Gabba test. Sandra Sully, I'm very much mm. looking forward to this because oh, she does, too. speaking of Australia Honours, receive one today, Sandra Sully, your mm. erstwhile colleague at the 10 Network. Mm. Have you got any anything or any good oil on Sandra? Sandra is just one of those people. I mean, I obviously watched Sandra when I, uh, I just moment Sandra, but when I was quite young, and then to be sitting next to Sandra, just reading the sport was just like a mind blowing moment to me. But the aura of Sandra is just only surpassed by how nice and warm and just professional and just I love Sandra. I don't work obviously at ten anymore, but no. I miss a lot of good people there, and Sandra is one of them. She has, I reckon. If I got to think about the greatest news reading voices, uh, she's top three. Mm. She's on the podium. Mm. Just something really. I mean, they was it full frontal one of those um, skit comedy shows called a Sandra Sultry, and they had like a, a character oh, okay. Sandra Sultry. <laughs> right, I can't <laughs> say I've really seen that. Really delightful voice. She's going to be our guest on the program today. Australia Day honours. Uh, well, just on that too, I, I might and I'll bring this up. So many years ago, when I was at the other network and I was working with Kerry O'Keefe. And he was in the Formula One celebrity race. Uh, I can't remember what year it was. It might have been oh, four or five or, or whatever it was. And uh, James Tompkins was in there too, the Olympic rower. And he said that Sandra absolutely thrashed her car around the track. Thrashed her car around the track. Yeah. So I, I need to ask her about that. I could believe that. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? Okay, she's, so um, she's one of those... Well, she's very she's very into her sport. Mm. Um, in particular, hockey. She does a lot yeah. of work with hockey. But um, yeah, she's very she's very cool. Also today on the program, Mark Woodford. All the latest issues out of the Australian Open. We got the women's final sorted. Mm. Of course, Zhang is through, and then Sabalenka uh, sought revenge on Coco Goff after going down to her at the US Open final last year. And then we got the semi, the men's tonight. So we got Novak Djokovic taking on Yannick Sinner, which is going to be a massive, massive match because Sinner actually got him, Jay, a couple of times at the back end of last year. The mm. thing is, though, is that they don't play five-set matches outside of Grand Slams. Mm. So this is where Novak's got the edge because I don't think Yannick can get him over five. Mm. I just don't. And mentally, there's no one better over five sets than Novak Djokovic. Mm. And then you got Zverev. And the thing about it is that gets me about Zverev. You know, he's got these these domestic allegations hanging over his head. And so every time he goes to the press conference, it's literally the first question he gets asked. He goes, Whew, wow, guys, I didn't expect that. And I said, maybe you should be briefed better, buddy. Mm. So how can you not expect that mm. question? 
Mm. How can you not expect that question? Yeah. And he, he defeated Alcaraz. He was pretty limp the other night, i got to say. That was really yeah, disappointing. Yeah, he was so um, off, like, like in terms of errors, just uncharacteristic errors. It wasn't – I don't think it was actually Zverev playing well. I mean, obviously Zverev was he good. He played but, well. But I feel like Alcaraz was very bad. Yeah, he was horrible. And the thing – because most people assume that Alcaraz would go through to the final. And so they had the tickets for the final, like the premium seats who were in the thousands. And now that he lost, apparently the price has chopped off to about sort of eight, nine hundred. The thing about Alcaraz is like, obviously former world number one, but if you look at that time, it's obviously hard to get to world number one. But at that point, there was, you know, no ranking points at Wimbledon. Um, Novak Djokovic couldn't play a bunch of tournaments because of what was happening in COVID. It, maybe he's gotten to that world number one it's a little bit false. Um, so I don't, I th- he's good, but obviously he's, he's struggled against, you know, when the re- other guys have come back. The text line number 0457736736. Weather in Sydney today, heading for a top of 38 degrees in the city, 40 in the West. See, if I was the West Tigers, I know they got Jerome Lillway over the line, but mm. you'd say, well, mate, you'd be going out there on every 42, 42 degree Penrith summer day. I said, it's a little bit cooler. Three, four degrees cooler. T- it's cooler at Leichhardt. At the just letting you know, but if that's your main know. selling point, that is concerning. Well, what are you going to sell? We've been back-to-back wooden spooners. You know, cash guaranteed to improve <laughs> our position. But you can't go any sink any further. So, thirty-eight degrees uh, tops of Sydney today. Forty in the west in Brisbane. Thirty-three degrees, partly cloudy. So they should get a clear day play for day two. This might be the last the clear day. day. Yeah, and now, now, yeah, because I think the weather's got to. Yeah. Going to descend on the Gabba for day three. Our thoughts, of course, with those in North Queensland facing power outages and flash flooding as Tropical Cyclone Curly makes landfall. So who would you knight? Who would you knight? What about you, Lieutenant Dan? Good morning. Uh, morning, Jules. Morning, Jay. How are we? Good. Uh, what about Trent Robinson? Uh, back to back 2018. You know what? Yep. You know, can I just turn your mic off there, Jay? Okay. It was <laughs> really stupid. I didn't even think about that <laughs> question and asking mm. a Roosters fan. I know. And coming, oh, what about Trent? What about Trent Robinson? Yeah. Yeah. You mm. did put me on the spot as well. I'd knight Alan Tung before I'd knight Trent Robinson. We've gone on a very rugby league. Like there are other sports. <laughs> I asked you who you'd knight, and straight away you kicked off the whole rugby league thing. Was it Alan Tung? I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, Alan Tung. Why not? Shameless plug. Now. Powerball, apparently, Jaleesa Raps, is going to jackpot to the highest lottery prize in Australian history. There were no winners last night's $150 million draw, so it goes now to $200 million. I bought a ticket a couple of weeks ago, and it was 50 Same. And I was at um, I was in Sydney's, or New South Wales' central coast, and a little, beautiful little town called Tawoon Bay. And I thought, you know, I had this theory that, because every time I used to go through the paper and see where lottery winners pay, they're always sort of regional parts of the state. Mm. So every time I go out of Sydney, I make a habit of buying a lottery ticket. So I did it. Come in the next day. Ah, oh, you know, I just got to, you know, you jokingly walk in. Hey, morning. Just here to click my millions. Ha, ha, ha. And I put it in and you hear the, the winnings. And for that brief moment, you just go, hang on, hold the phone, hold the phone. And you check it online before you go in? No, no, it's a, a physical ticket I bought. Yeah. I don't have a lottery account. So you can just, you still check it online? You just, so we, yeah, you just go on the website and put yeah, the number Yeah, it's not as fun, in. though. You know, it's around the corner from the coffee yeah, okay. shop. So All while right. I'm here, and I heard that noise, and I thought, you thought that brief moment, we are on here. We are on. 26 bucks. Thank you very much. A tidy profit. Lovely. Mm. Uh, I didn't actually remember that there was a uh, draw last night. Thank goodness no one won, because I would have been kicking myself thinking that would have been me. But 
Yeah, yeah probably not. Uh, no, it would have been Jules. Um, but I did find a lotto ticket on the ground at the supermarket. I haven't checked it yet. You Hang on. So you found one on the ground. I found one on the ground. And it was a live ticket. It was right. for that for for that night, yeah. Right, okay. And the thing about it is, so if, if it's registered, that's why they say register, so if yes. you lose it, it's, yeah. it's in your name. Yeah. And was this a registered ticket? I don't know. Oh, right, it doesn't okay. say on the ticket. Oh, well, I assume, well, it doesn't say registered, so I assume it's either not registered or they just don't put that on the ticket. But then I, I picked it up and, because I was like, oh, funny, lottery ticket. And then I thought to myself, how am I going to find the owner of this? Well, you won't. Because, no, you could. How? Well, I went all this through these psychopathic ways because this is how my conscience works. The the notice board at the local centre uh, found CCTV the photograph. of what? them dropping yeah, it. Yeah, okay. But so what are you going to go to security? I, I can't with a really... Send security and say, can I just have a look at your, um, your footage from the last? Because you don't know when they bought the ticket. Mm. And, and just, what, monitor that spot no. for hours yeah, to see yeah, if yeah. anyone drops a, a lot yeah. of ticket. That's a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, I know, but you couldn't keep it the bad karma. You couldn't do it. Yeah, but and you'd it, hope no, that okay. Well, hang on. Is it bad karma, or is this part of some kind of like, grand divine plan? Maybe you're meant to find this ticket. Maybe this person that lost it wasn't meant to have a windfall at this stage of their maybe life. Maybe I was meant to find it though, oh. and it was testing me to see how good a person I am. But you'll never know, right? So if you do hand in the ticket and it's a winning ticket, and how will you feel then? I've made my well. Like if I go to the if it's if it's a nominal amount I wouldn't care. Okay, what's what's the what's the minimum then? Oh, like the minimum's like a like under a hundred bucks. Then you're okay with it. I'm just gonna. I still feel like I'd have to donate it. Right. The okay. karma would get to me. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I would get to the anxiety would be too much mm. for my little brain. But like I said, like so, you know, what if it was meant to be? Well. But, well, maybe. Well, maybe you're meant to find it. Maybe you're meant to win a hundred million dollars, and then with that hundred million dollars, think you know, forget about the hundred bucks you're going to give to charity. Think about what you could do with a hundred mil, mm. right? Or then you'd find the person and just say, "Look, you lost this ticket. I'll go you fifty-fifty. I'll go you fifty. There you go. Problem solved. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. So this is interesting. What about Julian O'Neill? Would you would you knight Julian O'Neill? Yeah, Schlossy hopping me. Um. Uh, no, sorry, that's not knighting. That's uh, famous Julians we're talking about. Famous that's Julians. A, yeah, I don't know if you'd be in the top three, though, with deep respect to Julian O'Neill. Good morning to you, J-O-N, if you're listening. It is the first Julian I would think of after you. Julian O'Neill. Yeah. Yeah, you are rugby league hardwired. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first that I Julian. I don't have this compliment. It's, if oh, someone Jul- said to me, do you know a Julian? I'd go, Jules King, yeah. Julian O'Neill. Like, who are we talking about? Mm. Which one? Julian O'Neill. No, I, I'll probably think. Julian McMahon. Okay. Yeah, right. Son of Billy McMahon, former Australian Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. And of course, from, what was that? He was in Home and Away, Julian McMahon. And then he was in Charmed and a handful of sort of Ameri- Nip Tuck and oh, a handful of Oh, I know the one you're talking yeah, about. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Good looking yeah, fella, yeah. too. Yeah. Something to do with, you know, that name and handsomeness, pretty much. Yeah. 0457 sure. 736 736. That is the text line number. We are up and running this Australia Day, Friday the twenty Friday the twenty sixth of January, twenty twenty four. Tell us too if you're working today, as we are. We're putting the hard yards, mm. uh, and what are you up to? 
I always public forget holiday it's public Friday. holiday because, like in media, you don't get public. No, holidays. you don't. I do never you? remember that it's a public holiday. No, well, it never used to be a public holiday until sort of what mid late nineties, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was too young to work. No. So prior to that, it wasn't a public holiday. Yeah. So if you are up and about today, you are at work. Let us know. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. We are here for Bryden's lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness. Contact Bryden's lawyers. Good morning. Summer breakfast Friday, twenty sixth of January, twenty twenty four. Australia Day. I'm Julian King. Jaleesa Raps is with me filling in for Vossi and Brandy and breakfast, of course, powered by our great friends at Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Text line 0457 736 736. We've somehow gone from who would unite, talking about Australia Day honours, to famous Julians and everything in between. Just on the rugby league front, because you wanted to knight Alan Tung. So Alan Tung has a sort of a ring to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, NRL clubs, JA, this is a bit of a story that emerged yesterday, heading to Vegas, have been reassured by Peter Volandis that players have fallen foul or who have fallen foul of the law will not be stopped at the border. This is Blake Solly, Rabbitoh CEO, talking to Nine News yesterday. I think everyone who knows Peter will know that um, he's a can-do person and he'll want to, he'll want to get things done. And, and so he uh, understood our concerns. He also understood some of the challenges that Andrew's faced um, and he was able to bulldoze through a few of them today. From what Peter and Andrew said today, they're very confident that that won't be the case, that all the players will get access to the US, which is really important for the game. We want to see the best players on the field and um, we want to put the best show on for the US market. They're only talking about a select few here, but on top of that, I mean, was this ever really going to be a hurdle? For the NRL, hundred percent. You reckon? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, it it was like it's it's a, not an easy place to get into. Like, and obviously, there's a lot of people going over there. Like, I, I'm still waiting for my visa. I've got six days till I have my interview for my working visa because you need a working visa yeah. to go over there. Um, but yeah, hundred percent. It's it's a, such a difficult place to get into if you've got any mark against your name. That um, there will be discussions going on with uh, ambassadors, everything like that for sure. 0457 736 736. Jules, remember the great sign at the Raiders game? You've got Big Willie, but we've got a great tongue. Yes, I do. Yeah. 0457 736 736. Morning, JA and JK. Uh, just regarding the lottery ticket, if it was registered, it would have a name on it. Uh, as for someone, I would not. Mine would be Sir George Pickens, and yes, I will be working today. Good on you, Darren. Uh, I think you Darren and me. also said he's a painter, isn't he? A... Well, he's a Mad Bunnies fan, George Pickens. Well, the saviour. another person we've got? No, yeah, sorry. he was I'm the confusing, saviour. I'm confusing uh, jobs with our listeners. What, painting? Yeah. Well, no, because Darren, are you a painter? Let me know. Else, no, someone else is uh, here. Barry. Barry, good morning, J&J. If someone would be knighted, I would pick Shane Warne, the king of spin. Also, I'm working today being self-employed painter and decorator. Cheers, Barry. Oh, so so... I've confused the listeners. Yeah, well done, Barry. You couldn't argue against knighting Shane Warne if that was a possibility, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd happy, happily do that. I'd probably knight him before Alan, uh, Alan Tongue. Oh, okay. Well, that is a bold play statement. Favorites. That is a bold statement. Why can't statement. they know at the same time? Why have we got to do this? You can only pick one. Why have we got to fight? You can only pick one, <laughs> all right? You've nailed your colours to the mask, Miss Lime Green. Yeah. Now, uh, hand cream. Oh, yeah. What's happening here, I told Delisa you this as I came in. Well, I somewhat got accused of stealing. <laughs> so you, sum- you somewhat got accused of stealing. I, yeah, I was carrying my <laughs> I was carrying my hand cream into the um the Woolies and I got a bunch of groceries and also also carrying some swimmers I'd had repaired in a bag. Hang on, you're 
Swimmers he had repaired. <laughs> I got these swimmers in Italy and I really like them. How do and you repair I repair swimmers. I though? broke them. Might have had too many sausage rolls over the <laughs> Christmas period. Yes. And the swimmers have struggled uh-huh. ever since. Is it a two piece? Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway, yeah. I had them repaired because uh, I really like them. Anyway, I'm not going back to Italy to get another pair, so I, I had them repaired. Anyway, that's besides the point. I w- paid for all my stuff at the self-serve, but obviously didn't put the hand cream in because I bought it in. And then the lady was like, you didn't scan it. I said, yeah, I, I bought I bought it in. She's like, I didn't see you bring it in. Was it a brand that they sell at Woolies? Yeah, and okay. it was pretty brand new. Like it did right. look like I had flogged there. So like the bottom of the cream, the tub hasn't been kind of squeezed and half rolled up. No, 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 no. And so if you pop fresh. the lid off, is it sort of crusty around the outside? And, I you know, didn't so... go to that. I just I just got out of there. I said, yeah, look, okay. check the security footage. Mm. I'm tired. It was after Monday's show. Okay. I'm, I'm getting out of here. That's quite a, I mean, that's quite the accusation. Oh, yeah. Go I back think and so prove it. Yeah. Well, I think also I, um, I was looking a bit disheveled, which is, it, it's not funny the way you get treated where I wear, I am dressed always quite professionally because I have hair and makeup people at work. Every time you come in, I've done breakfast with you a handful of times over the years and you're always impeccably dressed when you come into the studio. Yeah, because I've so. got to. Yeah. You see me on a day off, it is chaos. Mm. Like I am unrecognizable. You're an unmade bed. Like there's some journos that live near me. Like, why have I never seen you around the? I said you probably have. You've probably gone. Who who is that? And she's she's not doing well today. <laughs> they just start chucking money at yes, you. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. so then I feel like that day I was looking particularly dishevelled. And uh, isn't it, it's just funny the way you get treated different different mm. ways you get. So are you suggesting that if you walked in impeccably dressed, to, you know, dressed to go to work, that Absolutely. she wouldn't have bailed you up about the hand cream? I don't think so. I think I looked like. Yeah, I think I look like I wasn't doing well that day. Mm, okay, oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. There is a social experiment right there. Summer breakfast this Friday, twenty sixth of January, twenty twenty four, Australia Day. Let's get the news headlines. Thank you, Vanessa. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast. Julian King and Delisa Raps in for Vossi and Brandy this Australia Day Friday. Powered by Kubota for over forty years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Have you got that said hand cream with you, by the way? Can I just inspect car? it quick? Yeah. All yeah. right. During the next break, would you mind ducking down? Ah, uh, yeah, Because sure. I'd, I'd like to have my, a closer look. You can take my keys and go have a look. Uh, you <laughs> tuned into the SEN commentary last night, as did I. Uh, a fight back, a very impressive fight back from the West Indies, J.A. Yeah. Test, uh, well, you know, they were, what, five for 64 at one stage, eight for 266 at stumps, thanks to that gritty partnership from Hodge and De Silva. 149 runs. De Silva lashes out, just gets it past heads. On the pull shot, forward of square, and down to the boundary for four. Starks bowling left arm over, delivers to Hodge, who goes after the short one, and he got it away for six. The silver has the strike, full from Stark, driven for four. Through mid-off, overpitched, and the keeper went fluently through with the drive. Cummins again bowls to Hodge, who pushes oh. nicely. Oh, the timing there is exquisite. Green to Hodge, edges short of Marsh at Gully, it squirts through and it'll bring up a half century. Carvam Hodge has played better shots than that, but it's the one that allows him to raise his bats. De Silva faces up, he drives out through cover, got that sweetly. Lion bowls, De Silva plays back, tickles it around the corner and he too will raise his bat in celebration. Green gets around the field, 50 for De Silva. 50 for De Silva. Mitchell Stark, by the way, 4 for 68, Jay, on the way 
and became just the fifth Australian to reach 350 test wickets. So he's five behind the great DK Lilly now, Dennis Lilly, who did it in, in 70 tests. But let's not forget DK had 67 wickets in World Series cricket, so you throw that on. But uh, Mitchell Stark, you know, it's a phenomenal achievement. 350 test wickets, just the fifth Australian to reach that mark. Don't forget the SEN cricket team will be back this afternoon, headed, of course, by Jared Waitley with Cricket Australia CEO Nick Hockley, the special guest in the pre-match. Did you catch much of the tennis last night, J.A.? Yeah, I did. I know, like, the women's matches both ended in straight sets, but if you watch them, it felt really close, both of them. Sabalenka's just, she feels a bit unstoppable. Yeah, she slugs it, doesn't she? And, uh, you know, revenge for her, of course, having gone down to Coco Golf in the US Open final. She has reached her second consecutive Australian Open final after feeding Coco Golf his BP calling match point. A second match point. For the world number two, as she sends that to the back end, a goff into the net. And Arena Sabalenka has found a way, as the champions do. Challenged tonight by Coco Goff. A rematch of their US Open final of 2023. And this time it goes the way of Arena Sabalenka. And her winning record in Melbourne extends to 13 straight. She's going to be hard to beat. She faces the Chinese player Zheng, the 12th seed in the women's final after she defeated Ukrainian qualifier Diana Yastremska in straight sets. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, they've pulled off the upset of the NBL season, heaped more pressure on two-time defending champions of Sydney Kings in a 104-98 boil over in Melbourne last night. You know, there's so much pressure on the Sydney Kings right now. And we mentioned this at the top of the program. Emma McKeon has been named Young Australian of the Year, Australia's most successful Olympic medalist. It is the Australians right up on the pace and the world record line. Emma McKeon in front, Kate coming at her, Kate tiring just a little. Emma's in front, can she hang on? Can she do it? Yes, she has. The gold medal comes, an Olympic record. This one all on her own. Outstanding, Emma McKeon. We should also mention to Ellie Cole. Jaleesa Raps, a retired four-time Paralympian. She's won 17 Paralympic medals, including six gold uh, she has received honours in this Australia Day for significant service to sport as an advocate for diversity and inclusion. So we're asking this morning, in light of Australia Day honours, mm. if Australia brought back knighthoods, which Aussie athlete are you knighting? I want to take your calls on this. one three hundred o one eleven seventy one three hundred o one eleven seventy. We have lines available. I've said it's got to be Richie Benno. Sir Richie Benno. You said Alan Tung. Somebody <laughs> suggested on the text line uh, Shane Keith Warne. Yeah. But I reckon you'd be hard-pressed. I reckon if you put out a poll, maybe do a poll, out of the following players, Richie Benno, Shane and Alan Tung, and let's look at the percentage breakdown at the end of the program. I've just, I've got to get a few Canberra listeners in. Yeah. I've got to send a tweet. Hang you, on a minute. You better hurry up. You better get on that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. the open line number. We want to hear from you this morning, this Australia Day. Are you working this Australia Day? Darren, thank you. You're a kitchen hand. Good on you, Darren. Uh, if plenty of you wanting to have your say, we'll get to all of your feedback in just a moment. We are here for Bryden's Lawyers, unable to work due to injury or illness. Contact Bryden's Lawyers. 26th of January, 2024, Australia Day. Julian King and Jaleesa Rapson, the chair for Vossi and Brandy. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. the open line number, some lines available. Happy to take your call. So we're talking about Australia Day honours today. Emma McKean, young Australian of the year, Olympic champion. And we threw it out there. If you could knight one... Eminent Australian sports person, living or dead, who would it be? So I've said, well, it's got to be the great cream bone, beige, white, off-white, ivory, Reggie Benno. Mm-hmm. You've 
going back with Alan Tone. I didn't disagree with you. It's just you took a good one and then I had to come up with another good one. <laughs> right. Did, hang on. Did I say Richie before you said Alan Tone? Yes. I did. Okay. Yeah. But I didn't steal yours the way you stole a hand cream. <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't steal mine. Mm. I, I just had to match it. <laughs> I just had to match it. Richie Beno, that's a good one. Okay. If I got to match Richie Beno, I'd go Alan Tung. <laughs> uh, and look, no disrespect to Alan Tung. He's a wonderful footballer. But I reckon there's a few that might be ahead of him in the queue. He does a lot of very quiet good work, though, too. I'd nom Keith Miller Okay. as well. Nugget would be a good one. Certainly not Trent Robinson, although Tui and Tommy's walked in the building. He'd concur. Yeah. Um, so definitely Keith Miller, definitely Richie Benno, definitely Shane Warne. And then I have to think about it after that. Oh, hang on. Also, Kathy Freeman. Kathy Freeman's a great one. And uh, Ben Cracker Hornby. Famous okay. Julians, says Kiribili Panther. Brendan Julian. Or did we go surnames here? Any underperforming, overrated left arm bowler who lands a plum lifelong commentary job deserves a rap. That is harsh on Brendan Julian. He's a ripper guy. Very talented cricketer. Yeah. And it was the 93 Ashes tour. Did you ever read Steve Waugh's Ashes diaries? I avoid. All sporting books generally. Okay. I yeah. find them. That's good. Somebody works in the world of sport to just no, uh, but give that a find... wide berth. I mean, Let I... that go through to the keeper. Well, I don't know if that, uh, I don't know about that book, but generally, aren't, aren't they the most boring books? And so, oh, no, he's a pretty good. And he was in a partnership in 93. I can't remember the venue. And, and Brendan and Julian basically clubs a six down the ground, and Steve Wall goes up and goes, oh, Great shot. Don't do it again. AB will kill you. And he went on that infamous 95 tour where Australia finally vanquished the West Indies. And they did it without a handful of players. And so he was basically leading the tackle along with Paul Rife because Craig McDermott had injured himself. Then, you know, Steve with the double hundred and, and a great partnership. And and Brendan Julian was outstanding. He was outstanding. Prolifically gifted cricketer when he was on. But boy, could he spray him. Great bloke too. Yeah, BJ. Yeah. Yeah, absolute champion. And, you know, for this is a thing. I mean, you know what this is like, Jaleesa. Occasionally you work in media and you, you stumble your words, you spoonerise your words. And he'll be forever remembered as Australia. The name of the trophy at the moment that Australia and the West Indies are playing for, the Frank Sir Frank Worrell Trophy. And BJ called it the Sir Wank Forrell Trophy. Oh. Yeah. I didn't actually know that. Happens to the best of us. But I'm sure he's thrilled you're bringing that up. Have you had any on-air stumbles? Like Constantly, that? every yeah. day. Tune okay. in. Do right, you sort of wince at the auto at the teleprompter? No. No. I just move on and get on with my life. Mm, Sandra Sully. She wouldn't. She, no, I, no, really she, rare stumble. She'd be. Oh, well, she's Very our guest rare. on the program today, talking about Australia Day honours. Uh, Steve says Sir Doug Bollinger <laughs> for kissing the VB logo instead of the Australian emblem. Well, some would argue that it's the de facto. It's Australian very Aussie. Emblem. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So who would you knight? Who would you knight? Any eminent Australian sports person. We're talking about Australia Day honours today. Who would you knight? All right, well, I'll go Alan Tung and then, I, then I'll go Kathy Freeman. Okay, that's a really good one. So yeah. men or women, okay. Yeah. So Kathy Freeman's a good one. Emma McKeon, Young Australian of the Year. Yeah. Um, 0457 And I did throw in a drag in there, Ben Cracker Hornby. And the reason I see that is because Ben Rossley, our super producer, walked in and said, he got to nominate Ben Cracker Hornby. And I want to stay on the right side of the producer. So, yes, Ben Hornby. Okay. Yep. Premiership winning captain of the Dragons 2010 <laughs> is going to be knighted. Very funny, Jaleesa. Alan Tung, I felt like you have inspiration from Isagua leading Skull into his hilarious comment prior to the Big Bash final. What was that comment, Michael? Yeah, it's going to elucidate. Yeah. And Isagua is a class commentator and Skull is an absolute ripper bloke. But who would you knight? 1 300 
01170. So I said crack a horn because I had to get a dragon in there, and I figured that's only fair because if, you know, Lieutenant Dan, I'm really sorry I asked him that question, comes out with Sir Trent Robinson. Well, uh, while we're on dragons, can we talk about this uh, $1 million pitch to keep Tyrell Sloan? Mm. And as a Dragons fan yourself, thoughts? Over, thoughts, feelings? But that's what, a 500000 over two years, right? Mm-hmm. So not a million dollars. So I'm, I'm all for it. Great. I'm all for it. Tyrell Sloan has almost unlimited ability. And I don't say that lightly. And he's got some defensive deficiencies. He's 21. The kid is 21. Flannel will whip him into shape. Right. And this is the thing people go, oh, Sloan, you got to, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. He's their best attacking player, Tyrell Sloan. There's this thought around that maybe um, we'll share the fullback duties with Lomax. Do you okay. like that or do you think he needs to sort of get well, those? I guess that's because he does have those lapses in him, I assume. He's my, he's the man I'd play at fullback. Look, in, in Flano, I trust. I don't know what in particular he has in mind and when he would look at rotating those two. But, you know, it's not the worst. He's not the only person to do that too. You know, positional switches at various times in matches. You know, with fullbacks, you hide them in defence in certain positions and then, you know, when they're in attack, well... Let somebody like Sloan cut loose. Hey, we do have that audio, by the way. Visha Gua and Skull have a listen. Don't you want a climax? No, come on. What was I supposed to do? I'd like one. <laughs> <laughs> but not from Marcus Joyner's. <laughs> It's the pregnant I pause. Hear that. I didn't hear It's that. the pregnant pause from Gary O'Keefe that does it. 0457736736. I would not Wayne Bennett for his 2010 season. Thank you, Dragon Boy. Rock solid, my friend. If we got any outside of rugby league, or is everyone just. Hey, I gave you two outside so of rugby, rugby league. league. How about Cliffy Lyons, the number one manly gun, says Brett? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cliff Lyons? Is he the number one manly gun, though? Got a lot of manly fans. <laughs> would you say Cliff Lyons is a bigger manly gun than Steve Menzies? For example, mm. or Bob Fulton? No, knight the whole team if you want. No, you're not knighting manly. What's wrong with you? And I hate them. I hate them less because you know Steve did. Well, he's, he's a ripper bloke. We can do what we want. Yeah, we're, knight, we, we're knighting manly, and we can also choose to do to not do things. And we're certainly not <laughs> knighting manly players. Melbourne Park Yobbo. Good morning to you, Albert Arthur Clifford Young, OEM Great Australian Athlete for a knighthood. There's a good nomination, Cliff Young, mm-hmm. the ultra marathon runner. Mm. And did you see? They did a, they did a, a movie on it, didn't they? Uh, Kevin Harrington and a few others, and then just starts that that famous Cliff Young shuffle. Yeah, right. I and I mean, I that. I did the drive from Brisbane down to Sydney. Can you just imagine running that kind of distance? No, no, it is. I can't imagine running around my block. Yeah. Let alone running, the marathon runners fascinate me. They need to be studied as to what, because you know people how they get into it later in life. Oh well, not later in life, but you know, mm. like middle age, they suddenly become marathon runner. Yep. Is everyone okay? It is weird. So my brother's best mate um, was always a pretty endurance kind of guy. He told me about how he ran 100 k's around an oval, just nonstop. No. And he said it's and he he showed me a little track, and he said it's like a spirograph. You know, these lines just go round and round. 100 k's. 100 k's, and he said it just he got into this zone and this rhythm, and he had no sense of time. He just round and round he goes. Was he was very zen? Was he listening to something, or was he? No, I, I don't know if he was. If he wasn't, that is. 
so weird. Very, very weird. You can text, are you a marathon runner? You can text us on the Edgewater Home text line 0457 736 736. Edgewater Homes mortgage fund up to $1,500 a month off your home loan. T's and C's apply. That text number 0457 736 736. Summer breakfast, Jules and JA in for Vossi and Brandy. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. I'd give a knighthood to Nick Dacos and Josh Dacos, Russell from Rosebury. Get back to work, Charles, will you? <laughs> Summer breakfast, Jules and JA in for Vossi and Brandy. This Australia Day 2024, the 26th of January. It is a Friday. It is powered to Summer Breakfast by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Oh, you're working today after this, mm-hmm. JA? Yep, okay. yep, yep. All right. Doing the sports. Australia Day. Yep. Australia, West Indies. Give us a quick prognosis. Go. Uh, day two. Okay. Uh, day two, I think the uh, Windies will fall early. Mm. I think Australia will bat out the day, and that'll be the last we see of this test match. And then Curly will wreak havoc. Okay, we'll talk about them well, in further just, detail. Yeah, the, the weather's not looking good. Yeah, in the next hour of the program. Okay, 26th of January. And on this day, 1998, US President Bill Clinton utters that now infamous line. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Well, he's just shown, as throughout history, that politicians are thoroughly untrustworthy. Monica Lewinsky, by the way, is one of the best follows on social media. Mm. Yeah, she's Basically, she's dining out on that, and she's excellent. She's very good value. Mm-hmm. In 1989, uh, M.A. Taylor, Mark Taylor, made his test debut for Australia against the West Indies in Sydney. Former Aussie cricketer and ASEAN colleague Simon O'Donnell. Hello to you, Scoob. Happy birthday. Born on this day, 1963. Happy 61st, Is Simon O'Donnell. And that's a six. That's a big one. And in fact, that's gone nearly as far as Saeed Anwar's. He's just missed the uh, lady stand. That's gone way up into the Barwongo stand, up under the top level of the Barwongo stand. A huge hit from Simon O'Donnell. A huge hit from... He could hit them too. Ryan Hoffman, Melbourne Storm legend, is 40 today. And Eddie Van Halen, the great EVH, lost him a couple of years back. Born on this day, 1955, the guitarist had the US number one single in 1984 with his song, Jump. I defy anyone not to play air synth or air guitar to Van Halen's jump. Number one single this day, 1984, the 26th of January, 2024. 0457 the text line number. If you are listening through SENQ 693am in Brisbane, we now say goodbye. Pat and Heels are up next. And if you're listening through SEN 1170am here in Sydney, plenty more to come. Stay with us. Welcome back to the second hour of the program, Messian Summer Breakfast. Julian King and Jaleesa Raps in the chair for Vossi and Brandy this 26th of January 2024, Australia Day. Sandra Sully, Australia Day Honours, are going to be our guest on the program later on today. We'll also catch up with Gav Robertson was part of the SEN cricket commentary team for the Sydney Test against Pakistan, and he'll run his eye over day one at the Gabba. J.A., nice to see some fight from the West Indies. Yeah, it certainly was. And I have to say, like, I know we're probably biased because we're on this station, but the call uh, was really good. Zock and Barat and Jared 
I was listening to last yep. night. Really great. A best in the business. And yep. we're asking today, in light of all these Australia Day honours, and congratulations to, in fact, we'll run through those again. So the Young Australian of the Year goes to Olympic star Emma McKean. David Kosh, and Colo get the Seven Network, uh, for significant service to media as a television presenter and to economic journalism. Ellie Cole, we mentioned, uh, just reward for Ellie Cole, the retired four-time Paralympian. Jaleesa won 17 Paralympic medals, including six gold for significant services to sport as an advocate for diversity and inclusion. And Michael Bushell, the former marketing chief at the Sydney 2000 Games for significant services to sports administration through a range of roles. So we have been asking, if you could knight one Australian sports person, alive or dead, who would it be? I said Richie Benno. You counted with Alan Tung, clearly on par. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Yeah, so Don has texted in. I nominate Dame Shane Gould, Australia's greatest swimmer, male oh, or female, that's a good one. held every freestyle world record from 100 metres to 1500 metres at the same time. This is a good one. Win th- Wins three individual golds and a silver and a bronze at 1972 Munich Olympics when she was 15 years Had- old. Phenomenal. World record from 100 through to 1,500. And it got too much for she retired at 16, Shane mm. Gould. Like, what could have been? Yeah. You know, Rob has also said Kathy Freeman, yeah. who we mentioned before. Yeah, so yeah. she's your number two after Alan Tung. <laughs> Hang think on. I wasn't ranking. That. I wasn't ra- I was giving You weren't man- ranking or you weren't thinking? No. <laughs> well, a bit of column A, a bit of column I, B. I, yeah. You can give it a multiple at the same time. Can you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't agree to that. Well, uh, well, I did. Uh, I'm you're, making you're, up the rules here. You're pulling rank. Um, now, the Korean male's Peter Bedell believes Tavita Pengai Jr.'s link to the Brisbane Broncos is genuine. Now, this is an interesting story, a developing story too, that came to light well, maybe about a month ago, maybe a bit less, where he was spotted and they played it down saying, well, TPJ, no, he's just there to say good day to a few friends and the rest of it. All of a sudden, his head pokes up again. Now, Pete Bedell spoke to Sports State yesterday. Have a listen. Mail I've got is that Tavita Pangai is is genuine about making a cameo for the Broncos later this season. He won't be walking away from boxing. He's committed to boxing, but he's he signed a two fight deal to fight once in March in in Brisbane, and then he'll have another fight in May. He's eyeing uh, a, a late season stint with the Broncos now. Under the salary cap rules, the Broncos could not afford Tavita for a full season. If he was to play for any club for the last four months of the season, for example, they would only have to pay him 250000 I know that he's met with Kevin Walters, I'm told. They've had some preliminary discussion. I know the Broncos have not tabled an offer. There's every chance that he joins mid-season and it doesn't work out. If he does end up at Red Hill, half a season at 250000 how are you feeling as a dogs fan? How and how does this sit with you, J.A.? Um, not not great. Um, obviously this all sort of changed and came in these sort of late season deals when COVID, with COVID and everyone was in the bubble. So that's when it became the norm to do them because you needed people who were in the bubble to be able to play with other clubs. And it's hard to get people in the bubble without that two weeks quarantine. Now it seems to have been filtered its way back into NRL outside of that, where we are happy to sign players for short little bursts. I don't think that it would be successful. I, I just think he's that kind of player that um, probably needs a bit of match fitness before he's going to be at his full peak. And I don't think you'll get a short stint out of him. Obviously, he's going to be fit because he's doing boxing, but it's very different. Well, I mean, you know, Gallon boxed 
at the same time as he played, and a few other but, players. But as he well. was but training. But he was no, playing I, week I, in I week out. That. He wasn't. He didn't play right at the end of a season. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Okay. If you're boxing and you're playing at the same time, no problem with your fitness and your match fitness. Coming in at such a short stint. But you don't think he could make the adjustment? I mean, somebody of that calibre, at 250k, I reckon worth the gamble. To you know, that's make, where his heart lay. Make that adjustment quickly. Oh, I don't see why not. I think he could do it. Uh, you know, he's an elite footballer. Right. For me, the, the concerning thing is the narrative around falling out of love with the game. Don't worry, I'm not coming back. We heard that. I'm not coming back oh, to I rugby league. Believe. You know, I'm going to go box, and all of a sudden, he could be returning to the game six months down the track. How do Canterbury fans feel about this? You know, do we then implement or enact some kind of rule that says, well, for whatever the remaining time of his contract was at the Dogs, he cannot play rugby league again until that time? Because then it looks like there's a loophole. So get out. Oh, I'm going to retire. Uh, get out of your contract. Granted, he doesn't get the money, but if he just wants out, he doesn't care. Wants to return to Brisbane, and six months later, he could be wearing Broncos colours. It, it looks from afar like he's gamed the system. Why does that bother you, though, if he, if he didn't want to be at the Bulldogs? No, look, it, it doesn't necessarily. It bothers a lot of people, though. So if you know if everything's mutual and everyone agrees, then then fine, okay. But don't, just don't spin this. I don't, I don't want to play the game, fall out of love, and all of a sudden, if, if you're... Motivation the whole time is just to get out. And we don't know. We're only speculating. And maybe it's a cynical point of view. If your motivation the whole time was to, I never gelled with Sydney. I want to get out and return to Brisbane. I'll just call retirement. So pursue a career in boxing. But I didn't, you know, that was never Uh, the exclusive reason for wanting to get out of the game. uh, For me, the ultimate goal was to return to Brisbane and play rugby league again. I never thought that he would never return. So I, when when he left, I thought we'll see him back. Mm. I never believed that he'd never return. I don't necessarily think that what he's, I don't believe what he said though. Have you ever fallen out in love with your job, out of love with media? I have. And wanted to be I like, fell out of love with that air supply l- song and I'm all out of leave, love. Like, it's a shocker. You wanted to leave your job briefly. Mm. They have the luxury of doing that. We don't. I, I believe that, yeah, you can fall out of your, you, you've just fallen out of your love with your job and then suddenly you're like, oh, all right. And you know what? I actually, I, there was a piece of me that was unfinished here. The open line number one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. We'll get back to that in a moment. I uh, tell you what, you know, we we're watching the cricket yesterday, JA, and they were five for sixty four. With okay, here we go again. Australia will be batting tonight. Then all of a sudden, we saw them dig their heels in. One hundred and forty nine run partnership. Okay, we've got a game here, and it stumps now. The West Indies eight for two hundred and sixty six. A man who's watching this very closely. He's our friend and colleague, Gavin Robertson. He's on the line right now. Morning, Robbo. Good morning, Double J. I was going to both call you, but I won't do that. Uh, you're old <laughs> enough to remember Double J before it became Triple J. You're a drummer, Robbo. You would have, I uh, am. You would have that's, jammed out to, to that back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, but I hope you're both going well. And yes, you're you're right. It was a look. I think it was very very good. I was, to be honest, blown away by that test match. I thought they were gone. So, what they've done is surprised the hell out of us. 149 runs. Kevin Hodge, 71 of 194 balls. Josh De Silva, the keeper, 79 and 157 balls. That was a wicketless second session, but it really rebalanced the match. And the thing about this, Robbo, is that, yes, we're Australian fans. We want to see Australia win. But, you know, taking your colours off, just as cricket fans, this is what you want to see sort of outside the big three is competitive cricket, and that's what we witnessed. Yeah, it's almost like today's got... As a world, we've gotten so nice that we're not allowed to speak about um, one of the enjoyments of sport. And realistically, one of those enjoyments is a battle. 
And I know it's almost like, you know, you can't speak like that anymore, Gavin, but we, we do love a battle. And I just love the fact that, look, to be honest, we're talking about, I looked at the pink ball and the shape and I thought, they're going to go here. Five to 64. I'll be lucky to get 120. But I just saw some some great, I suppose, sporting toughness. And you looked at uh, the way uh, De Silva and Hodge batted together. And I just think that they decided to to fight because when you're playing, it, that's what playing for your country really means. You know, can I can I bring my best to this this game? Not for me. It's for my teammates. It's for my country. Can I can I serve in that way? Because let's be really honest. You know, it's just sport, so it's a nice way to serve. Mitchell Stark, too, the impact that he had. But it was interesting towards the end, he actually looked like he was getting a little bit frustrated. But um, just talk us through, like, what kind of impact he has on a game like that and and when he's at his best, like, how brilliant he really is. Well, I think people sometimes denote that uh, they don't bring Mitchell Stark's name up uh, in that three. They'll bring him up third. They'll go Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood, mm. Mitchell Stark. But look at Mitchell Stark's numbers. But uh, the his strike rate is very good. He's actually very difficult to face. So if you ask another batsman, who would you rather face? <laughs> yeah, and he's say, actually very difficult to face. <laughs> Left arm, 145k yeah. Thunderbolt swinging in late. There's an understatement, Robbo. But it's also that he doesn't have that clean action. Like if you're facing Josh Hazelwood or Brett Lee, you see a nice, clean, open action. And so you're seeing the ball all the time. And when you're facing Mitchell Stark, for example, or you're facing um, Shoah Bakhtar, for example, or Wazim Akram or Wako Yunus, the ball is hidden. And it's just, it comes late and it makes it just that little bit more difficult I, I just was, uh, I enjoyed watching him bowl. When, when he gets his shape exactly where he wants it, uh, he's, he's dangerous. The other thing about him is we do forget that he can not only bowl with the, the new ball, he can be just as good to the old ball. So mm. I was very happy with his four for yesterday. And um, look, I mean, we keep debating how long is Mitchell Stark, for example, and Josh Hazelwood going to play. I, I think they've got another very strong two years. Mm. You reckon? You know, I was having this discussion yesterday with, with my brother as to how much longer they have. But just just on Stark, I mean, 350 test wickets in the top five of all time in Australia. I'm glad you, you mentioned that because sometimes he's probably not given the due recognition that he deserves. But these numbers stack up. And, and you know, you think about the late Shane Warne and the criticism, fire up, Mitch, get a bit of mongrel. And, you know, when he's off, he might throw you the odd four ball. But 350 test wickets, Robbo, yeah, the average 27, but, you know, the strike rate, 48.49. I mean, that's why you have him in the side. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, and you would also remember he has had to go through almost a, a media debate numerous times about his career, at times if, if he's not having a good six months. But I, I just look at a fellow, he, you know, when you see him in the press conference, for example, you think, wow, he is just so humble. He yeah. is so nice. And that's really who he is. But when you get into a battle onto the cricket field with him, he he is all in. And he's the type of fellow that you want in your team. And um, I, I just, you know, we're talking about a fellow that, I mean, that you know the day before the test match, he just he snuck out onto the golf course. And he's off 12, mind you, and he won the Royal Queensland Golf Day for the members there. So he's the sort of guy that likes 
a, a tournament. He likes a challenge, and um, I think he'll continue on. And look, I, here's the bigger thing: is what are we going to do? How do we um, change our team and grow it like we used to? Because they play a lot longer. They play a lot to a, an older age now. The only good thing about it is we have numerous bowlers waiting, but we don't have a large lineup of batsmen waiting. Oh, sorry, batters waiting. Mm. Mm. Well, Stark's now what three off DK Lilly, yeah, that that's quite an achievement. He, you know, could get that in the second test. Uh, speak uh, second innings rather. Speaking of uh, batters, who do you reckon's due for the Australians when they go out and about, Robbo? Um, look, I actually do believe that um, Steve Smith will do well in the last part of his career as an opening batsman. So I, I, I'm a, am expecting him um, to do well. The, the other thing about it is that. Uh, is that it was very noticeable to me that um, the, I think the West Indies have done some very good study. Now, not not too many people have picked this up, but um, and we're talking about a, 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 a national team that's come to Australia with 15 players, seven of them are debutants, mind you. So there's no experience in this side. Yet, They've obviously studied on the whiteboard worked out. You're buying the suit since you've got to bowl 10 centimetres, 10 to 15 centimetres outside off mm. consistently. Because if you see Steve Smith batting, his back foot will move and then it stays. So that means wherever the ball goes, he's got to take the bat to, not his head to. And that, what happens is, and you saw it in the, in, in the first test, is you'll see his head and his eye line not in line with the ball. And that can be dangerous if the ball is shaping. Now, we've got a pink ball here in this test match, and it's going to shape. So it's going to be a very good test to Steve Smith. Can he handle that? I'm, I'm interested to see because I'm actually quite impressed with their bowling. And to be really honest, I've been a bit disappointed with the Windies in the last 20 years because they were frightening when I was growing up. But uh, I really do see a, a team that's playing for a, their nation and they're playing, they, they could become a, a good team. Is there any concern around Australia's batting heading into particularly, I guess we're playing New Zealand next? Has the fact that our bowlers have cleaned up and we've won pretty comfortably, hidden maybe a few um, fragile elements we have in the whole batting side? Yeah, I think the, the batting definitely is a bit of a concern. Look, to be honest, batting is a concern in Test cricket. And it's because of the other form of cricket called T20 cricket. So you've got two um, formats that are not about the physical side of the game. They're about the mental side of the game. And how you think as a batsman in a Test match is very different to how you think as a batsman in a T20 game. This is so. This is the issue that the, the players today have to deal with, understanding both formats. And I can understand. I mean, I'm not, not sitting here as an older person saying you should know better. What I'm saying is, it is a little bit more difficult because they're either extremely aggressive off 20 overs and, and there's no risk, and then you go into a test match and for a batter it's like, wow, okay, there's risk here. I've got to create a partnership. I've got to bat time. I've got to I've got to assess who's bowling as, a, as not just one bowler, but the two bowlers bowling together as a group are bowling really well. I've got to get through this hour. So that's that's the art of Test match cricket. So look, I hope that um, we understand all that and we handle that because I've, I've there's a few concerns. I mean, you know, you look at, I mean, Travis Head 
brilliant player, right? But he's had a difficult three months. Yes, he got runs in the last test match, but you know he could have been out early. Mm. Um, we go look at Pakistan; they dropped eleven catches. Mm. Now we, we as a public or in the media, we forget those eleven catches. But when the older players got together for a golfing uh, thing a few weeks ago, and even at the six and out function, they were talking about it. That what if seven of those eleven catches were taken? Then it could have been Pakistan Australia one all. So these are the things we, we're not often talking about because we we generally talk about a lot of the nice stuff. But I find there's a lot of the public still very knowledgeable about the game, and they they bring these things up with myself and other people. You mentioned there six and out, Robbo. Uh, just before we let you go, see normally at a six and out gig, Jaleesa, there'd be young women just fainting, not. Uh, Australian cricketers that go on golf days. But sure enough, here we are, such is the impact of that band. <laughs> Tell us about the gigs coming up, Robbo. Well, it's, it's been incredible. It's only been like 41 days ago we decided to come back and play and all of a sudden we we took off and played to Melbourne and Sydney and Adelaide to 1,500 people. So it was, it was a bit of a surprise. But um, look, it's been, it's been magnificent. It was 25, it was actually 26 years ago now, but we're celebrating 25 years and and we thought we were done and dusted, but once we got back and did the PM's night for Anthony Albanese, we thought, geez, we do miss this. And then what's happened is that the, the people have, in, in by them turning up in the way they do, they're telling us they miss it too. So, look, I'm really happy, and we've, we've, we've got a few things coming up. We'll probably do the flood relief up at Lismore, and we've, we're looking at India, apparently, and a few other things. So we're gonna, we could get a little bit busy, but primarily our show is not overly boring. We are. <laughs> a, we, it's we, not we, overly boring. There's a silly. Point. Have you got one in Sydney I can and go to off the top of your head? Well, we just played. We just did play at Paddington two weeks ago. But um, look, we will get down. There's, there's a chance apparently on. Um, I think it might be February the third. Uh, so we're trying to find out about that. But we'll try and keep everyone up to date. But I think the bigger thing is that you, you look at. Um, we, we're a show that. You know, we often get termed, uh, you know, the Brett Lee name will be brought up, but, you know, not to forget Shane Lee or Brad McNamara. I mean, Brad McNamara was probably one of the greatest one-day bowlers I ever played with. But we are only Cheeks, a band um, because of Richard Cheekley. Yeah. He's probably one of the best. As, as was said by Chris Thomas and a few others the other day, and Chris Thomas has only uh, produced five Beatles albums. But Richard's <laughs> just born doing this, and, and he's a... Being a front man is a very, very difficult job. So, um, no, look, and, and our biggest thing is don't just go and play for us. Really try and give the crowd, get them involved and make sure they have a really good time. And But, what's you know, what's even more interesting. Like, I've only just, I've now got a proper telephone. I don't have a Nokia 7410 anymore. And um, we've even learned about Facebook. Wow. We've learned about Instagram, all of that stuff. Oh, add me. He's getting he's yeah, getting with the times in 2010. Good on you, Rob. Robbo, we'll check it all no. out, six and out, mate. we got to fly. We're caught between a clock and a hard place. Great to get your thoughts. Great to catch up, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. He's, uh, Gavin yeah. Robertson. Uh, summer breakfast powered by Kubota. Jules and Jaleesa are in for Vossi and Brandy. For over 40 years, we've, made, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Summer breakfast. Julian and Jaleesa are in the chair for Vossi and Brandy. We've got the news headlines coming up momentarily. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness. Contact Bryden's Lawyers. The text line 0457 736 736. Uh, regarding Brendan Julian, Jules, fair enough. Forgot about his Windy's 1995 tour efforts. Exonerated. Thank you. The most obvious knighthood 
Sir Brandy. And a spoon, yes. <laughs> what is that audio from? Uh, we recorded him when he was at New South Wales camp ordering his breakfast and he requested a spoon. Uh, every day, actually. Can I hear that again? Uh, sure. And a spoon, yes. <laughs> He's very serious. All we're going to think is spoon. He's very serious during Origin Camp, Brandy. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a bit less serious this season, Correct. isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> so hang on. Because you mentioned a spoon, does that qualify him for, for a knighthood? It's a low bar we're setting. Good morning, Brandi. We miss you and can't wait to hear you back on the airways of Vossi sooner rather than later. What about South Coast Doctor here, Jaleesa? Yeah, so Peter Volandi is... I, I'm interested if the South Coast Doctor and the Shoalhaven Doctor are, are the same listener. You but... reckon they're... Oh, no, I don't think they are. No, it sounds like they're not if they're... they're separate re... doctors. Yeah. You know, that's... Well, now <laughs> I don't know who to go to on the, when I'm down the South Coast. It's high society listeners here on yeah, the I'll summer say. breakfast program. Uh, Peter Volandi, I don't mind that. PBL. He's always the knight in shining armour, isn't he? We've got visa issues. Peter, do you just uh, solicit the help of, of Kevin uh, Rudd? And a lot of people fix who it, yeah. don't like PBL. I'll always be thankful for him keeping my career going mm. by getting the NRL going again. <laughs> and he also makes me feel less bad about my ill-fitting suit. 0457 736 736. Summer breakfast. Let's get the latest news headlines. Thank you, Vanessa. Breakfast powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Julian King and Jaleesa Raps with you on this Australia Day, 26th of January, 2024. If you're just waking up, here is some of what is making news. A fight back from the West Indies sees the test... Oh, I don't know if you call it evenly poised, but uh, certainly at 5.64, it was looking like the Aussies were going to run through them. And given the threat of the cyclone by day three, we thought we might have a result, as we saw in Adelaide. But eight for 2.66 at Stumps. Nice to see. Well, a bit of a bit of resistance, Jaleesa Raps. Mm. Yes, certainly. Um, we've got, been asking people for their knighthoods. Who would you knight? And you said... Richie Benno's got to yeah. be top of the pops. I said Alan Tung. Mm. You also said Kathy Freeman Kathy has been Freeman. popular as well. So yeah. given the Australian Day honours, Emma McKean, Olympic champion, a young Australian of the year, and a handful of others, Ellie Cole as well, uh, the retired four-time Paralympian, 17 Paralympic medals uh, also featuring in Australia Day honours. So who would you knight, alive or dead, Australian sports person, if they did indeed, as Tony Abbott did ever so briefly, bring back knighthoods. Just on the tennis, uh, Irina Sabalenka has reached her second consecutive Australian Open final, defeating Coco Goff. A second match point for the world number two as she sends that to the back end of Goff into the net. And Irina Sabalenka has found a way, as the champions do. Challenged tonight by Coco Goff. A rematch of their US Open final of 2023 and this time it goes the way of Arena Sabalenka and her winning record in Melbourne extends to 13 straight. Now Sabalenka will face Chinwen Zheng, the Chinese 12th seed in the women's final after Zheng defeated the Ukrainian qualifier Diana Yastremska in straight says that was quite a story. She made the semi-finals the first qualifier in 46 years to make an Australian Open semi-final. In the NBL, South East Melbourne Phoenix have heaped more misery on the Sydney Kings at the moment. They defeated them 104-98 to in the boil over in Melbourne last night. We mentioned their Emma McKean, Young Australian of the Year, Australia's most successful Olympic medalist. And as you said, we're asking this morning, if Australia brought back knighthoods, which Australian athlete are uniting? You can call us as well, one 1170 We have lines available. Don says the the other obvious knighthood is Dame Heather McKay, the world's greatest squash player, male or female, in unbeaten 
for more yeah. than a decade. Heather Mackay. I was waiting for somebody to mention that. 16 years undefeated. Sorry, is it Mackay or Mackay? Mackay. Heather oh, Mackay. Apologies. 16 years undefeated Heather Mackay. Right. And finally, squash have earned their place in the Olympics. Now, is it coming up in 2024? I should know that. So we've got the Paris Games coming up this year. Uh, Lieutenant Dan, can you just double check that for us? So no, squash, the, been, is it the following year? It might be the following, 2028. Yeah, but I think it's they, 2028 it's coming. Yeah, and yeah. finally, which is good because it's sort of one of those, I guess, more, ma- well, not mainstream, but more traditional sports because now you've got your break dancing, your surfing and, and all I can't say things, I'm a big squash follower, but my God, I hear a lot about it in my household. Why? Oh, my partner just loves squash. I actually, when I read that text, I thought Nick's text in. How many people come out and say they love squash? Have you? Do you play squash with him? No, God, I'm awful. No, awful. But, no, but that doesn't mean doesn't preclude you oh, from no, playing just because you suck. Couldn't. I mean, look at Dan; he's terrible. No, but, but he I, still phys- plays I, I physically couldn't. Like I, I, I'm so bad that you couldn't play a game of squash with me. But he loves squash, yeah. and he's always like, "You don't give squash a big enough run on anything, on anything you do." Well, there you go, Nick. That's for you. Yeah. And thanks to Don. Thanks so Dame Heather Mackay, sixteen years undefeated, and we think about you know Rodney Art and Rodney. Uh, Isles and Lisa Martin and Jahanga Khan. And, but finally, squash has earned its place in the Olympic Games and not a moment too soon. 0457 736 736. We'll get the rest of your feedback in a moment. We're here thanks to Bryden's Lawyers, unable to work due to injury or illness. Contact Bryden's Lawyers. Julian and Jalissa in the chair for Vossie and Brandy. Summer breakfast this Australia Day, the 26th of January, 2024. Tops are 38 in Sydney, 40 out west. It's a good day, Jalisa, to... Get a load of sheets done. To go to work. <laughs> that too. one 1170 G'day, Mark. G'day, Jules. G'day, Jalisa. Happy Australia Day to you both. And to you. Thank you, Mark. No problem. And I think knighthood-wise, the Chapel brothers, Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh, should be great because they were always my favourite Australian yeah. cricketers growing up. And on the ladies' side, I think we should have Lane Beachley, Tracy Wickham and Lisa Curry United because I think we can't forget about our sporting champions and Tracy Wickham especially has really done it tough in the last few years. Mm. I mean, she lost a daughter around about 2008 and then she had a bad accident where she fell and had to get three spinal fusions among other things and we can't forget about our Aussie sporting champs. You know, once they fade out of the limelight as it were, we've got to keep supporting them in my opinion. And I would give a knighthood to you two as well because you always put out good quality work and I think you overcome some mighty big hurdles in your professional lives. So well done to you both for perseverance and the way you always provide us Aussie sporting fans with high quality work. Oh, well, thank you, Mark. I mean, you had me until that point. And then I was like, oh, the bar's on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, can I just say that if there was something in the prize cupboard, uh, we'd send it to you. That's no problem. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what's on the cards today, mate? What are you up to? Well, I'll be doing a lot of housework around here, looking after my two very cute German shepherds. I reckon they should get not hooked for cuteness. And... um, Uh, they have two, I, I have two massive German shepherds, Indian Caesar, and um, they always keep me fit. Like when we go for a run around the neighbourhood, as soon as I lock the front gate, we're sprinting, we're gone, because Caesar's always like in overdrive mode, oh, so the Indian's yeah. just behind it. So, so it's like spending some good quality time with them as well. Yeah, Outstanding. Oh, that's awesome. Great to hear from you, Mark. Thank you so much for your kind words. Have a great day. Thanks, Mark. Okay, see ya. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number. So, Mark, we're asking today, uh, who would you knight? We're talking about Australia Day honours. If they did bring back knighthoods, as we ever so briefly did, uh, well, I wouldn't give one to Prince Philip. 
Mark reckons the Chapel Brothers, Lillian Marsh, and you know that that with many people would describe as the golden generation of Australian cricket, you know, and the melanoma generation too, because they have the, the, the shirts unbuttoned. And Ian Chapel once said, "I blame you know his melanomas, his skin cancers. I blame Richie because he loved Richie as a kid growing up, but he had the shirt sort of unbuttoned down low. They had those flimsy terry toweling hats which wouldn't protect anything, and just in the sun, baking sun, mm. and years years later they're." They're being punished for it. But yeah, Chapel Lillian Marsh, and of course, speaking of Lily, uh, Mitchell Stark closing in on Dennis Lilly's test match account for 155 wickets uh, at the moment. Stark is 352, so he might get there in the second dig. 0457 736 736. Howard working, unfortunately. Zagabo. JA, I wanted to call you on Monday regarding superstitions. Uh-huh. My superstition is that I can't call on an odd day. Also, Friday uh, usually feels like a sandals day to me, but you're, it's a public no, holiday. You know, you're not going to understand. Feels this, like a cross on. Uh, does it feel like that to you? Great show, and all the best to you both. So I, I read out Howard's text because I really need you to Decipher explain it. this. Okay, all right. Let me tell you. Us, it's a few parts series. First of all, working as uh, a Garbo today, that has to be the. Kids most excitable, like, don't you reckon everyone who has kids, they're so happy when it's Garbo day because they, the kids are always out the front waiting for the Garbo. All my friends' kids are. Your just, friends' kids are out the front waiting for the Garbo. They love watching sort of, the Garbo turn what, up. What time do these kids wake up? Because if oh, a Garbo comes early. at like four or something, you oh, let the kids walk out of the street. Sure? Mine's not coming. I don't know. You can four. hear them coming down the street. I remember but they back love, in the day. Like, they love just like lining up and, and looking for the Garbo. Second, mm. J.A., I wanted to call you on Monday Re Superstitions, but my superstitions, I can't call on an odd day. We were talking about superstitions on the show. Yes. So that makes sense. Now, this is where it's going to need some explaining. Friday feels like sandals, but if it's a public holiday, it feels like croissant. Does it feel like that to you? Great show and all the best to you both. This is a very loose discussion that we had on the show. I'm getting that. Where I was talking about how things have the same vibe. So like Thursday is like 8.30 and like right-handed is like fork. Do you get what I mean? Anyway, Howard gets what I mean, and that's all that... We're it, here thanks to Brian's lawyers. <laughs> Howard understands me. <laughs> that is a superstition. Neil McKenzie, the former South African cricketer, used to... He couldn't go out to bat until all the toilet seats were down in the dressing room. That's just good hygiene. It's a good hygiene. Well, yes, you don't want to flush with the toilet seat up because it tends to throw up a lot of foreign Disgusting. matter in the air. See, that's interesting. Okay, and, and the garbos. I, I don't know of any kids that are out the front waiting for it. No, oh, I don't. All my friends' kids, they love the garbo. So if a garbo, for example, comes... They're obsessed comes, with the garbo. So if the garbo comes down the street at, say, 4.30 in the morning, the kids are out the front at 4.30 Well, no, I don't think so, but I don't think any... Uh, these are country kids. I feel like the garbo so a little, comes so you're at talking like countries. 9 a.m. That's an important distinction here. Okay. Right, because I can't imagine in the city just letting the kids waltz out the front of the house just to watch the garbo come down the street. No, I don't think you should probably do that. Okay. Fine in Bora with it. Details matter here, Lisa. <laughs> details matter. I remember that was literally one of my jobs and you know, as a teenager. Was, Make sure you take the rope. Yeah, 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 take the rope. And then all of a sudden you hear the garbo coming to... Oh, crap. And oh, so no. I get up the next morning, I'm bolting out the front with these bags the of garbage. The worst feeling. <laughs> At 4 a.m. when you hear them, it's the worst feeling. And you're like, no. You do the walk of shame back in, you shake your head. I missed it. Yeah. You got a full garbage bin. 0457 736 736. Thank you, Howard.
uh, for that rather interesting I text. Get it, uh, Bondi Jack says, fair go, Jules. Tafita Pangai Jr. walked away from 750000 to pursue his dream. He was always coming back sooner than later. Now, game is better for it. It is rough on the 2004 cap rulers, that being the Bulldogs. Uh, thank you, Bondi Jack. Greenkeeping Rooster, good morning to you. He's taken Stark 87 tests to get to 350 test wickets, while it took only 70 for the great DK Lilly to get to 355. Yeah, touched upon that in the last hour. DK will always be the godfather of Australia's fast bowlers. Well, Mark from Quaggers Hill, Green Kevin Rooster, said that he'd knight Dennis Lilly. So if you brought back knighthoods for Australia Day honours, who would you knight? DK absolutely would be there. Let's not forget too, Green Kevin Rooster. So 355 test scalps for DK Lilly in 70 tests. 67 World Series cricket wickets as well the best, they are not even counted as first-class statistics. Are we just knighting sports people? I yes. forgot at the start of the Well, show. it's a sports network, so yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wanted to knight Sulls. Who? Sandra Sully, who's coming on the show. Uh, we'll make an exception for Sandra Sully, but she's sort of loosely a sports person given her relationship with Hockey Australia. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's a lot with hockey. Uh, well, we should actually mention who the Australian of the Year is, by the way. Joint winners this year, Professors... Georgina Long and Richard Scolia recognised for their breakthrough world first melanoma cure. We're talking about melanopas mm. and Japelli and, and the rest of it and cricketers back in the day. Professor Scolia has been in the spotlight over the past six months as he fights his own brain cancer battle in which he's pioneering new treatment off the back of what he knows working with melanoma. This is what makes me proud to be Australian is we have some of the best scientists oh, on yeah. the planet. Oh, yeah. You know, we've got to celebrate the intellect in this country, and I'm glad to see that. So congratulations to the Joint Australians of the Year, Professor Georgina Long and Richard Scolia. 0457 736 736. Melbourne Park Yoga, Yobbo's got a good nomination there, J.A. Mm, yeah, yeah. Sir Mark yes, Edmondson. Edo, the last Australian to win the Australian Open in 1976. Uh, the... No, not the last Australian, because Ash Barty did The boy from last Australian, man. The, la- the boy from Gosford was ranked 212 in the world when he won. Marvel at the achievements this year of unsettled, yes, Diana Yastremska, ranked 93 in the world, reaching the semifinals. But what about Edo's achievements? An unsung hero deserves a night. A good nomination, Melbourne Park, Yobbo. And that was always the thing. Who was the last Aussie man to win at Edo? And prior to Barty winning, that was a great sporting trivia question. It was Chris O'Neill. Chris O'Neill. Okay. I'll let you stew over that. During the break. Thank you. We are here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. Summer breakfast. Welcome back to the final hour of the program. Julian King and Jaleesa Rapson, the chair for Vossi and Brandy. You're tuned in to SEN Summer Breakfast on this Australia Day, 26th of January, 2024. Emma McKeon, Olympic champion, the Young Australian of the Year. Congratulations to her. And we have been asking throughout the course of the morning, if you could bring back knighthoods, given all the Australia Day honours, uh, which Australian sports person would you knight, living or dead? Doesn't matter. Which one would you knight? 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Don't forget, later today, day two action at the Gabba, the day-night test between Australia and the West Indies. Well done to the West Indies, too. They were five for 64, and it looked like the Aussies, J.A., were going to rip through them. Mm-hmm. All yeah. of a sudden... Kevin Hodge and Josh De Silva, the keeper, 149 runs. The second century six-wicket partnership by the West Indies at the Gabba behind the 152 by Richie Richardson and Clive Lloyd, and that was in 84-85. So nice to see some resistance. And at Stumps, 8 for 266. Mitchell Stark, 4 for 68, became just the fifth Australian to reach 350 test wickets. So from 2 o'clock today, you'll hear the coverage continue with Jared Waitley and Damien Fleming and Socky and Barat. And the rest of the team. And, of course, tennis. We're going to catch up with Mark Woodford shortly on the program. We've got the women's finalists determined and two mouthwatering clashes 
on action, in action today, the men's semi-finals. Novak Djokovic and Yannick Sinner. He's got the day game again, Novak. And Daniil Medvedev and Alex Zverev. I like Daniil Medvedev. He's one of these polarising characters. The bloke has, I think, two degrees and speaks five languages. And I think what he does, he, he plays the villain really well, the Russian. He reminds me a lot of um, Andy Murray, especially in his early years where he was sort of the villain a little bit, but deep thinker, very smart man. Speaking of deep thinkers and smart men in the world of tennis, let's catch up with Mark Woodford. We chat tennis on SEN. Thanks to Wilson. Experience the summer of tennis with Wilson. I love Wilson, the pro staff. Mark Woodford, do you remember the Wilson Pro staff? I think Sampras, Edberg would have used it in their early years. The perimeter weighting system, the black was sort of the little red and yellow stripe. But one of the all-time classics, good morning to you. Uh, Of course I do. I I use Wilson rackets as well. So uh, I'm very familiar with those frames. And was it, am I right, was it Pete who who upgraded and then went back to his old racket because he didn't like the feel of the new one? It might have been Pete. And there's something beautiful yeah, about yeah. those those vintage rackets back in the day. That's right. That's right. He he wanted the uh, he wanted the, the the certain cosmetics, and I think you know the, usually the racket manufacturers when on a yearly basis they upgrade, they they update the um, the look, um, and he didn't like the feel of the. Um, the, the cosmetics that they had put on the newer frame, and uh, yeah, yeah, they had to go back and you know reproduce the the old ones for him. So uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's 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 what comes with being number one in the world for a, a while, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> my my late uncle was a very good junior tennis player, and, and came up sort of the, through the junior ranks playing against Wally Masur and the rest of it. His idol was Jimmy Connors, and he gifted to me before he died. His Wilson T2000, oh, which oh I've still gosh. got, and that heavy <laughs> aluminium, that's a wrist breaker right there. Do you remember the Wilson T2000, Woody? <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, I had to play against Jimmy Connors. and uh, um, uh, Actually, I should say, I did play against him, mm. but I, it wasn't when he was using the T2000 no, because no. They, they were absolute relics, uh, oh. those frames. We have our women's finalists determined. Uh, Sabalenka turned the tables on Coco Golf after the loss there at Flushing Meadows. Uh, so now Sabalenka, the second seed, up against Zheng, the 12th seed. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it, it was Im- Im- impressive, Sabalenka. And um, I've been of the opinion with, with Arena Sabalenka that, you know, it's, it is hers to win and it's hers to lose. She has such a, a powerful game. And uh, I think you've got to give her a lot of credit that, you know she's um, she's still young, um, but she's learning. And uh, and I also like the saying: when you win, you win; when you lose, you learn. And and no doubt, losing to Coco Golf at the U.S. Open, that you know she's probably taken on board, um, you know, different areas that perhaps contributed to that loss. And and there we have you know the result from yesterday um, or last night. Uh, was it was pretty decent for her. She was able to use her her weapons, um, you know, just to get get that lead. Savalenka feel like even though she won in straight sets, it did feel like a really tight match for her, and she has had some pretty intense matches in in the Oz Open. Uh, do you feel like she's like is, is that sort of building towards a final, or that can that sometimes drain you? Like it kind of felt like watching last night that that should have been the final. Those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but, but thanks to the decimation of uh, the loss of seeds on the other side of the mm. draw, no doubt. Um, that y- y- yes, it was 
tight, um, nervous, um, tense, and and that is has been the the issue for Sabalenka. And I, um, you know, when she can control those emotions, and um, sometimes she just lets it out. Um, it's like a, a release. Um, I think the first set was all important for Sabalenka. That that laid the the pathway to victory in in the second set. And I'm sure while she would have been prepared to go to three sets, I think just the the how crucial that first set for her um, a, approach for the rest of the match was was very much important. I, I'm not I, I'd even doubt that um, you know she might have with the loss of the first set that she might not have uh, picked up the victory, but um, you, you know, again, she her game. She the, with the serve. It starts with the serve. She was able to land. Uh, you know, get get some free points. Uh, she backs it up with this uh, with these booming forehand and backhand, and uh, she can win points very quickly. And when you're in a tiebreaker in some of the big matches, just winning points freely or cheaply, uh, you, you know, they 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 have a significant impact in the outcome. Yeah, she would have learned a lot from that loss to Rabakina last year. Uh, Zheng, what can you tell us about her? And just on that too, I mean, this is a wonderful run from Yastremska. You know, the first time in 46 years, Woody, that we saw a qualifier make the semifinals. Yeah, not bad. Um, dare I say, was it Yelena Dokic? Was she the last one? Or, or one of very few that perhaps have come through qualifying and, and reached this stage? So, you know, it shows how difficult it is Um uh, you, you know, for the, the the guys and the women that are, that are coming through qualifying, but but fantastic effort for Yastremska. I mean, she does have a a big game as well, and and at times, you know, her um, emotions, you know, fluctuate up and down a little a little more wildly than uh, say Sabalenka. But um, a great effort for for her. But Zhang, um, yeah, I think. I think that's we, we we've looked so heavily at this one half of the draw, which where we had Sabalenka and Goff, and we're kind of thinking, yeah, look at that. This will be the final, and you know, this is Sabalenka's now. You know, that is the the danger. That's probably Zhang is like, go ahead, go, you know, everyone, you you talk about Sabalenka and the other semi final, and she's just travelling along here, weaving her way through the tournament, but. I tell you, during the tournament, during the, the middle weekend in particular, the word floating underneath in around the player area um, and in the media was, you know, watch out for this young gal from China. She She's had the game. Um, she's gone through quite a bit through COVID and not been able to get at home too often. Um, uh, she, she had a, a an issue with a previous coach that that um, she thought she was working exceptionally well with, and and then he decided to leave. I think it was Wim Fassett that went off and worked with uh, Coco Goff. So, you know, she's gone through some some hardships. She's now reunited with a, a, an older coach, and and things are coming good for her. But she really does have a solid game. The one problem that I have of concern for the final is because this is new territory for her. And, and as tennis players, it's those moments when, you know, the vulnerable parts of your game, they tend to shine a little bigger. Mm. So uh, uh, I, I think it's going to depend on how she is handling herself when she walks out and if that serve can stand up to the challenge of taking on Sabalenka. Mm, mm. Just looking at the uh, men's side of things, two very interesting semifinals today. Novak Djokovic and Yannick Simner and Daniel Medvedev and Alexander Zverev. 
Let's start yeah. with Novak Djokovic and Yannick Sinner. I forget how young Yannick Sinner is. Like he's only 22. It feels like he's been around for such a long time. We always talk about the next generation coming through. Is he an example of that? Yeah. Look, he, he, he's part of that as well. And you, you, of course you would throw Alcaraz. He, he's still mm. young uh, as well. And that's what, I, I mean, I mean, it is mind-blowing that Novak is giving at least 10 years away to these guys. And uh um, it, it's you know for, for him to maintain the the level, um, the physical side with his body is is just I, I mean I, everyone is in awe of that. But Yannick Sinner is uh, is one of the danger players. I I feel like everyone has been chasing Novak in this tournament. Uh, he hasn't been playing great tennis, but he's managed to get through to this stage. And the longer that he stays in there, um, the the more chance that he has of, of clearly of, of winning. He knows how to handle these situations, but Yannick Sinner, that's, that's maybe the one issue that I, I would throw caution. He hasn't, and I think he's only dropped one set along the way. He's been in some phenomenal form. He's probably the, the cleanest ball striker off of both forehand and backhand that we have uh, in the game at the moment. But he hasn't been in this situation before and he hasn't proven himself over the five-set format. Yeah. So yeah. whilst maybe starting a little, a little of the, the, the favourite, um, you know, I think the needle is, is flicking over to Novak. It's interesting you say that because Yannick, I think, has won two of the last three clashes against no, uh, against Djokovic. But like you said, they're over three sets. You know, five sets, completely different kettle of fish, and that might be the knock on Sinner. And just just quickly, Medvedev, Zverev, Zverev played a great game. Alcaraz was under par, I think it's fair to assess Woody in that quarterfinal. But for me, Daniil, you know, he's he seems to be a, a bit of a sleeper this tournament. I know there's only four left. He's the third C, but I just feel like not many are talking about his prospects. What, we got you, Mark? No, we got... You know what? We'll let him go. Uh, we just lost Mark Wood for there. But uh, So, Djokovic, Sinner, 2.30pm, semi-final, Rod Laver Arena. And then following that, the night session, Medvedev and Zverev. Thanks to Mark Woodford. We'll let him go. You can catch, too, all the Australian Open action. Just download the SEN app. And he is here, thanks to Wilson. Get your game on. Join us in celebrating the Wilson Summer of Tennis. We'll get through your text messages throughout the next... 30, 45 minutes of show. So on the program at 0457-736-736. We'll take another break because on the other side of this, we're going to catch up with a very dear friend of yours, J.A., mentioned in Australia Day Honours today, Sandra Sully. Sandra Sully, our guest on Summer Breakfast shortly on the program. She's got to walk the dogs, J.A. So I've turned on SEN to hear Wham! This is Paramount. Love the SEN breakfast show. Love that you're both doing the show. Brilliant dynamic. Why aren't you two on together more often? Because we can't, we squabble over the appropriate Australian song to play. Either In Excesses Don't Change. We can't stand Or something by, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> or, or something by Hilltop Hoods. Well, let's go. Let's I feel a mutiny coming on here. Listen to that song and it reminds me of Brewer. Does it's it? about The song is about li- like living in the city and no. why would you live in the city when you can live in the country? Well, you live in the city. I know. Yeah. And, and in the song, it's, 
It's all the Sorry. complaints of living in the You can take a girl out of the country, you can't take country out of the girl. No. So there you go, Hilltop. Does need... that mean, Lieutenant I... Dan, that we do get a bit in excess don't change at the conclusion of the program? Of course we can. Thank you, man. Just appreciate that. Yeah, I need the Bora Rovers to lift and get in the NRL. Mm. And we're asking today, in honour of Australia Day, well, honours, uh, who would you knight? If there's an Australian sports person that you could give a knighthood to, who would it be? I said Richie Benno. You said Alan Tung. You see the difference there. This is why we'll never work, Paramount. <laughs> um, guys, says Mike, I had a small early stage melanoma lance from an ankle three years ago. Ever since, um, I have six monthly skin checks with a specialist. It cost me a few hundred each trip. Uh, bring it under the Medicare elbow. Uh, but so be it. Best Australian of the Year recipients ever. Yes, yeah, this is in relation to Professor Georgina Long and Professor Richard Scolia, who um, um pioneers of um, immunotherapy, essentially, to treat melanoma. Mike, I don't know if you're travelling for those trips. I don't know if you mean trip as in you're travelling. If you are in country New South Wales, check out IPTAS, where you can get some money to get back. It is 23 minutes after 8. 10's Late News with Sandra Sully. Good evening. Good evening. Hello, I'm Sandra Sully. Welcome to 10's Late News. You're watching 10's Late News. Details now on this breaking story. A major story tonight. A plane has crashed into the World Trade Centre in New York. We're all now living with the threat of terrorism. News just to hand, we can confirm. Stuart Diver has been freed. He is now sitting up on the site. She also equaled the record with the number of goals scored over an Olympic tournament. Sandra Sully for the 10 Evening News, Canberra. Sandra Sully, 10 News, London. That is just a few highlights of the career of our next guest, Sandra Sully, who I was completely privileged to work for with for two and a half years. She's been made of a member of the Order of Australia for her work uh, in journalism, but also in many other things that she does in her life. And I can honestly say it was such a privilege to sit next to Sandra Sully and, and such a pinch yourself moment when I got that privilege, but also such a joy to learn of the kind of person, warm, friendly, giving of her time that she is. So welcome, Sandra. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, Delisa. What a very sweet welcome. And um, yeah, it was my privilege to sit and watch you, you know, shine because you, you, you learn from those coming up through the ranks as well as those before you. And uh, we've all got something to learn from each other. So uh, we were very sorry to see you go, but let's not mention that because I shouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we should be we should be bitter rivals. <laughs> That's it. Morning, Julian. I've got the double J's this morning, have I? Yes, you do. You do. <laughs> you certainly do. Uh, now, first of all, just tell us about uh, receiving the honour and the, and the news that you had. What what, what kind of um, reaction did you have to that? Well, it was a bit gobsmacked, to be honest, and clearly and honestly, truly surprised, very chuffed, quite humbled. And, and, you know, that moment of embarrassment that that can't be me, like, really, this is what, what I do. So, anyway, um, humbled and honoured is, is an understatement, to be honest. We'll focus first on your, your career uh, in journalism. You've been in the industry for three decades. Just the longevity of, of being in the, the kind of industry that we are in it is a testament to your work and, and the kind of person that you are. What stands out in your mind? I mean, there's so many 
I think it, when you think of Sandra Sully and you think of news moments, we all think of the September 11 uh, tower attacks. Is that the, the biggest moment for you? Yeah, I don't think anything can ever beat it, Jaleesa, to be honest, because it was so calamitous, catastrophic and global. The ramifications were worldwide and I think the world changed that day forever and Australians realised that they always were, but from that moment got that level of comprehension that they are global citizens and what happens around the world affects us. And, uh, you know, the world basically changed on a dime that day and, and no one really, unless you were with me on the night, you know, you woke up to the news to accept it and you had to accept it even if you were shocked. But if you were with me on the night, I think everyone, and I say this to this day and so many people come up to me and say, I just want to say I was with you. We share a very special bond because we lived the shock and horror and trauma of it for hours. And, um, you know, seeing people jump to their deaths and hold hands, knowing that there was no way back. That stuff um, haunted me for a long time and mm-hmm. it, it's always with me. But look, no, I can't equally... Um, you know, ignore the Stuart Diver Threadbow Rescue, mm, which was yeah. just profoundly uplifting, despite the fact, you know, we lost so many other uh, people that day. It was such an uplifting moment because Australians had been with us for the whole week trying to rescue anyone they could. That was significant. Um, you know, going to London for the Queen's funeral was incredible and Kate Williams' marriage. And I have to say, Delisa, you know, I love sport. You know, going to the Commonwealth Games in Canada, going to the Olympics in Atlanta, being mm. there for the bombing, standing poolside watching Kieran Perkins win from lane eight, watching Madam Butterfly, you know, win. Um, so many incredible. Oh, and, and, <laughs> how can I forget? And um, watching, yes, the Kookaburras, I think, got a, a bronze from memory. Yeah. But the Hockey Roos won gold, and I. To this day, I don't actually know how I did it, but I and we weren't the host broadcaster, so oh, it was messy. But I, um, I got on, I got on the hockey roos bus and travelled with them from the stadium back to the hotel with a camo, and uh, and then I had the great privilege of of serving on the board of Hockey Australia with one of the girls from that day. She doesn't remember me; she might have been on a high, and I'm irrelevant. But I remember being on that bus with the hockey roos when they won gold, which was just incredible. So. Lots of amazing moments, you know, and, and just working with tremendous colleagues. Um, you know, people such as yourself, Jaleesa, and Tim Webster, and um, Billy Woods, and Ron Wilson, and, and Jess, and so many terrific colleagues. I mean, that's the wonderful thing about TEN is that it's a great workplace full of good people with good spirits mm-hmm. and well-intentioned, you know, and, and very proud to work in an industry I'm really passionate about. It's afforded me this platform to do things I'm really passionate about, which is, you know, well, I don't know if you do know, (laughs) but, you know, supporting a hockey, trying to lift the profile of hockey in Australia and and really uh, promoting our Australian researchers who are trying to find a cure for spinal cord injuries, you know, things that I personally have a connection with. I've tried to use any profile I have to, to garner support, get funds, do what I can. You know, we're in the middle of lobbying. Queensland to get a proper hockey, hockey legacy post the 2032 games because the current plan is 
insufficient and hopeless <laughs> for hockey. Um, you know, the current hockey facilities in Queensland are yeah. uh, per head or per capita are, are well under par by comparison to the other states. And they're so subpar that we can't hold an international tournament in Queensland at the right. moment because they're not FIH qualified. Right. And so they've recommended that we have two drop-in pitches at Ballymore for the hockey and then they disappear after the Olympics. Well, that's not good enough. No. You know, we'll be working hard, even if I'm off the board, to, um, to try and convince the Queensland government and corporate philanthropic support that we need proper facilities. I mean, it's not like... We're not any good. Like, and men yeah, and women yeah. are in the top five in the world. We've got an Olympic cycle this year. We've got every chance of making the finals for both teams. And, um, you know, we just got to stay at it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too, that you met, you talked about your profile and having, I guess, a currency given your illustrious time in the media to, to lend that to, to push worthy and charitable causes. Can I ask you too, Sandra, uh, how's the driving going these days? I don't know if you recall, but when I was at, at GB and I was working with, Kerry O'Keefe, and he says, I, I want to talk to Sandra Sully. I want to get Sandra Sully in the program. <laughs> so I said, so I went and Sandra came, very kindly came to the studios and did a big sit-down uh, chat with Skull. And Skull made mention of the 2005 Formula One celebrity race. And he said, look, my car, when it came back, I swear it looked like it was detailed. Sandra absolutely thrashed the life <laughs> out of this thing. I mentioned that to Jaleesha. She said, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, I do recall... And um, Mr. O'Keefe was just one of the, the funniest colleagues on that tour. And, you know, I, I think many of us are, are deep-seated, uh, quiet, petrol heads. And um, I just couldn't believe it was one of the highlights of my career. And I don't put it up there or sing about it loudly, but just between us, a week of driver training with Alan Moffat and um, yeah. a young Brabham uh, at Sandown for a week. And we had to do all of this you know, grid work and cone work and turning and handbrake stops and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Mr. Aguirre couldn't, he couldn't, um, he just, he doesn't have an angry, mean, aggressive bone in his body. He was the most timid, arguably pathetic thing. And on the track, he used to stop and let the ladies go by if they needed to pass. <laughs> yeah, he said, Tompkins uh, and Mundine were, so were going neck and neck and bashing it up and said, don't wreck the cars. Try telling that to highly competitive athletes. Uh, Sandra, you mentioned yeah. we, we know you are a huge sports lover and the work that you've done with Hockey Australia, but can you tell me a little bit about the spinal cord injuries and the work that you've done with people there and also the backstory? I know there's a really interesting backstory that, that you have, how you got involved with this. Uh, uh, yeah, Delisa, look, I've been a patron of Spinal Cure Australia for, I don't know, 20 plus years. And uh, look, you know, I, my, my career before journalism was health and fitness, so I've always been passionate about it. And um, I did quite a bit of work with, well, a little bit of work with uh, wheelchair-bound Aussies, particularly young Aussies. And I was profoundly struck by, you know, the lifelong trauma that they experienced, and not just them, their family and friends. Um and then I had the good fortune when I first started working in Sydney to meet Christopher Reeves, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, many of your listeners probably don't even know who he is, but one of the supermans of a Hollywood film. And um, I just made a commitment personally that day to do what I could to help find a cure. Now, Australian researchers are at the forefront uh, globally of finding a cure. It's no longer a matter of 
if but when and we're doing a lot of really great stuff we got 15 million dollars out of the new south wales government a couple of years ago and while everyone who struggles with spinal cord injuries um, needs a lot of help all our attention goes to finding a cure because right now there's 21,000 Australians who struggle with spinal cord injuries. It costs the Australian economy nearly $4 billion a year. $4 billion. And imagine, and, and everyone thinks, oh, it, it happened to Alex McKinnon. It happens to sports stars. It really doesn't. It happens to those on the sporting field. It happens to our famous jockeys, and not so famous, but our jockeys beloved on the racetrack. It happens on our roads every day. Traffic incidents. One of our makeup artists at 10, I think she was there before you started uh, and, and left us to Lisa. Um, Trinity, her brother got rammed from behind and ended up in a wheelchair, life threatening for a year and a half, and he's still hanging on. But, you know, it, it's upended the entire family as it does with everyone with spinal cord injury. So, um, you know, I just do what I can to to continue to talk about it, try and open doors. We've got Federal grant funding, you know, underway at the moment. We're trying to convince everyone who'll listen to, um, you know, push this. I, I honestly believe we will find a cure for spinal cord injury in my lifetime, and that will have a significant, and profound effect. Yeah. For people that... who don't care, it'll affect your wallet. For people who do care, it'll profoundly affect hundreds of thousands of Australians and, and millions worldwide. You know, we're talking things like spina bifida. I mean, a million, well, spina bifida is a little bit different when we get too specific, but, you know, it's just, I, I, I just really focus on on the possible, you know, and, and try to imagine if we did something like that, you know, mm. be extraordinary. Of course. Thank you so much, Sandra. You speak so passionately about the work that you're involved in and, and just a top quality human. I miss you very much, but thank you so much for joining us today. And also congratulations on the honour. It is so well-deserved. Well, thank you, Jaleesa. Thank you, Julian, for your time. I really appreciate it. And of course, I'm going to, I, I can't stress enough how humbled I really am and chuffed, mm. but um, hopefully it'll allow me to keep banging on about what I believe we should be doing. And as you know, Jaleesa, very proud as a journalist to continue to shine a light on inequality mm-hmm. across our society and the things that I think really matter. So um, I just wish I, I lost my dad just uh, in December and, yeah, no. you know, I get a bit emotional because it would be really lovely yeah. for him to know, you know, because he was such a champion of mine and such a champion bloke. Yeah. Um, but my mum, my mum's very proud and we're all a bit emotional today. <laughs> you were a great support to him. I know um, everything that you went through with that. So, um, yeah, you're, you're a top quality person. Thank you so much, Sandra. Sandra Sully. Thank you, Vanessa. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast with Jules and Jaleesa, powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. We'll catch up with Simon Orchard from thedogs.com.au shortly. Martin on the text line, 0457 736 736. Team, I'm loving the interview with Sandra Sully. I've had a little to do with her. She is truly a wonderful person, a real treasure. Congratulations to her and both Richard Scolia and Georgina Long. We should be so proud of the incredible number of amazing Australians rather than focus on the negatives today, something that many people want to do. Thank you, Martin. And Rafa simply said, good morning. Sandra's got it. Yes, she does. He said, oh, the colleagues, Tim Webster. Who else? Bill Woods. What about Matthew White? 
We'll take a break. Every Friday on Breakfast, we are joined by Simon Orchard from thedogs.com.au, the home of everything greyhound racing in New South Wales. And of course, Simon, being a former kookaburra, would have been tuning in with interest to hear Sandra Sully talking about her passion for hockey. G'day, Simon. Yeah, morning, Jules. Morning, Talisa. I was. What an inspiring woman. What a wonderful career Sandra's had. I tell you what, she's a, a great advocate for the sport of hockey, guys. And you need it, especially when, I'm not going to say hockey's a minnow sport, but it's certainly probably waning in popularity compared to what it was 20, 30 years ago. Sandra's, you know, passionate. She's clever. Uh, she's certainly determined. She's very spirited. And when you've got to fight for things like a legacy project after the Brisbane Olympics, she's a wonderful gun to have in your corner. And I guess she sort of touched on it, guys. But when you consider that, the current hockey infrastructure in Brisbane doesn't meet international standard. Mm. The ratio of players uh, in the area is one of the best in Australia, but the, there's the fewest amount of pitches going around. Brisbane hasn't hosted a big event uh, on any stage in hockey since about 1999 or 1998. And the Brisbane players, men and women, both just won the national competition last year, guys. So that's the premier uh, hockey competition we've got in the country. I think establishing that purpose-built Hockey facility is a must. It's going to maintain a foothold in the country for years to come. And hockey is probably one of the most successful sports we've got, right? I know the last Olympics we probably didn't do. Uh, the last cup we haven't done as well as we usually did. But before that, we had a, a wonderful run in both men's and women's where we yeah. bring home medals uh, like it was, um, yeah, it was always a, a really good thing for hockey. So, look, I love, I love Sandra. I love everything she stands for. And, Hopefully she hangs around hockey for a lot longer because we need yeah. her help, that's for sure. Indeed. Now, Simon, big weekend of the Greyhound game. Richmond and Musselbrook hosting some rich races. Uh, tell us a bit about that and give us a couple of tips as well. Yeah, you're spot on. 25 grand up for grabs in both uh, the Richmond Straight Cup and the Musselbrook Cup. The Musselbrook Cup, guys, it's the richest race ever held up there in Musselbrook. And a big shout-out. That's where I grew up, born and raised in Musselbrook. So oh, I'm heading nice. back for one of the first times in uh, <laughs> about 25 years. Cannot wait to get up there. Uh, if you want to play in the races, race eight, number one, Richmond tomorrow. That's probably the best bet for us. Sudi, race eight, number one, Richmond Straight Cup. And Musselbrook on Sunday, the Heats, race nine, number two, Leg Speed. I tell you what, going out to the country is one of the best parts of the job, guys. They always get a big crowd uh, trackside. You can imagine <laughs> a lot of ales are being had. And when it's nice and warm, everyone's having a ripping good time. So, look, we love giving back to our participants in the country. It's where a lot of our breeders, trainers, owners rear and raise their pups. So getting back out to places like Musselbrook is just outstanding. So cannot wait to get these two features off and running. Uh, Saturday, the Richmond Straight Cup heat. Sunday, the Musselbrook Cup. And then next weekend, the big finals, both worth 25k. Cannot wait. Fantastic. Thank you, Simon. Simon Orchard from thedogs.com.au, the home of everything greyhound racing in New South Wales. Make it look easy with sports bet. Chances are you're about to lose. Hello, Hammy. Morning, team. Uh, how are we? Not too bad, this Australia Day. Who would you knight? Which Aussie sports person would you knight, living or dead? I said Alan Tung, but, and Jules doesn't like that. Well, I didn't not like it, but no, I'm just saying you, you like, can't no, mention he... Alan Tung in the same breath as Richie Benno. Hemi? Alan, Alan Tung, I know you're a Raiders fan, Julie, so I'm a, a big West Tigers fan, so I'd probably go Scotty Prince, um, Brett Hodgson, Shane Elford, Knight of oh, all, I reckon, just... from 05. Buckets. Just yeah, the whole team. Sir Mark O'Neill, <laughs> that's not fair. Yep, Mark, let's get him out there. Johnny Scandalous. Um, Benny Galea, let's, let's knight them all. Been a handful. Hey, uh, men's semi-finals, two cracking matches today. Australian Open. Yes, certainly is. Uh, Djokovic versus Sinner. We've actually had a bit of cash uh, uh, come for Sinner mm. through the sports at book over overnight here. Uh, Novak's still the favourite, dollar fifty, but Yannick Sinner you're getting two dollars fifty-two for him. The other game, of course, Medvedev versus Zverev. Uh, Medvedev dollar sixty-two. 
and uh, Zverev 220. I'm a bit like you, um, Jules. I'm all aboard Medvedev. I, I really like what he brings to the game. So, uh, And you're getting eight bucks for Medvedev to, to go all the way as well, uh, if you like that one. What about the women's? We've seen Sabalenka do pretty well in the tournament. Is everything flowing her way? Yeah, I think so, Jaleesa. Dollar fifteen to uh, to lift the trophy. Um, hasn't dropped a set all tournament, of course. Uh, so Sabalenka in straight sets that'll get you a dollar fifty-seven. Uh, Zheng, you're getting five dollars for the final. Australia West Indies uh, rain tip for day three, eight for two sixty-six. I imagine the draw's pretty short at the moment, Hemi. Yeah, draw pretty short, um, but. Uh, the Aussie is still pretty pretty warm there at a dollar seventeen. Uh, the, the punter's pretty faithful; they can get the job done. Big swing from the Windies, thirty eight dollars yesterday into twelve dollars fifty now. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough to that with the pink ball, but uh, look, you'd imagine the Aussies. Uh, the market certainly suggesting the Aussies can still get the job done. What about India and England? England were all out for two hundred and forty six. India won for one hundred and nineteen. Where's the money going? India all over the palms. You'll love to see it, uh, Jaleesa. The home side, dollar oh seven. Winks like uh, to, to win this one. The palms are out to nine bucks. So uh, fingers crossed we see plenty more of that over the next four to six weeks over there. Yeah, how's that baseball working against Ashwin and Jadeja on that first day pitch exactly? Uh, well, we've got the double J in action today, Jules and Jaleesa. Triple J, hottest 100. It always hots up. Uh, what's firming as far? I'm, I'm out of the loop with this kind of stuff. Yeah, can uh, you sing us the songs, or do you, can you name the songs? <laughs> yeah, well, I can, I can name them. I won't be singing today, Jaleesa. We, are, we have uh, got a bit of time pressure on us this morning, so I'll just give you the We market. can push it back. But, uh, no, 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 I don't think we can. Uh, we've, got, we've got a breakaway pack. There's three songs here. Doja Cat, Paint the Town Red is the $2 favourite. Dom Dollar's Rhyme Dust is there at two sixty two. But the money keeps coming for Troy Savan's Rush, uh, $3.75. So they're the three... Uh, that are looking the most likely. And, and the punter's pretty confident in Rush, Troy Savan there. There's a lot of markets up there, though. Who's going to get a song in the hottest 100? Taylor Swift. There's been a bit of money for T-Swizzle. Five bucks into $2.62. So plenty of uh, Triple J hottest 100 markets up there on the sports bet app. Go and check them out. Yeah. Troy's Tre- Australian, isn't he? What? Troy Savan. Troy Savan. Was that three seventy five for Rush? That, that's good numbers. Correct. Correct. Wow. Yeah, money for jam, I reckon. Good on you, Hammy. Thank you, my friend. Have a great day, guys. Chat next time. Uh, sing is, tomorrow. Uh, sing tomorrow. Hammy oh, Goodman no, from Saturday. Sportsbet. Uh, okay, Hammy Goodman from Sportsbet. There, oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is the text line number. Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Summer breakfast. We'll take a break, come back, wrap things up.